friend, I want to tell you right now that if today's episode resonates with you, my brand new course, Healing Burnout, and our brand new Elegant Excellence community are for you, my dear. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash burnout to see if enrollment is open right now or get on the wait list for the next time we welcome new members. I will put that link in the description of this episode. This teaching has been nearly a decade-long journey of me trying to heal my own burnout and make my life feel less exhausting, if you can relate, less constantly saying, this is just a busy week or a busy season on repeat and never really getting out of it, wanting to enjoy my life, to have time for my friends and family, to do work I'm really proud of because my brain and body aren't so exhausted that I'm constantly disappointing myself. I know I'm not living up to my full potential. To have a life that is about more than just being super productive, scheduled within an inch of my life, chasing the end of a to-do list that never ends, being grateful that it's Friday, but then working through the weekend, that just cannot be the meaning of life. There's got to be something better than this. Of course, a Musical theater song would have some timeless words on this that come to me. So after so much study, research, trial and error, self-coaching, coaching my friends and students and family along the way, I found a three-layer method that wildly changed my life for the better. And I want to shout from the rooftops that you do not have to keep living like this, exhausted, overwhelmed, always behind, spread too thin. It is not some easy button or overnight success plan. It's a lifestyle. It's a journey. But oh my goodness, I like my life and most importantly, myself so much better. So join me today inside this six-week course, really spaciously and gently paced explicitly for people who are struggling with burnout, who are short on time, and a equally spacious six-month membership to soak in our community at hillaryrushford.com slash burnout or the link below. I cannot wait to help you start feeling better. And we'll talk about how in today's episode. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, friend. It has been a minute, if a minute is exactly one year since October of last year, and my cheeks are already hurting from smiling. I am so excited to be, quote, back in the studio with you and knowing the conversations that these episodes spark. I am already so excited to get to talk with you more about this and upcoming topics as we enter a new season of the podcast. For two and a half years, I had an episode every Your Welcome Wednesday, and then one year ago, I told you that I realized I had to pause this podcast to write my book on what makes women feel beautiful. And that is a challenge that I know every one of us can relate to in our own way. You have more things on your plate than you can do, and you are either not going to do any or all of them well, or you're going to get totally burned out, which then means you're not going to do any or all of them well. You have to choose less, even when it means saying no to something you really love, which for me is this podcast. I adore this podcast. I adore the conversations and the community that comes out of it. And isn't that almost always 
the way it is, that it's something we either love or love the effect of that we're struggling to let go of. Because if we didn't really care or if there was no consequence in saying no, then we would have chosen less earlier. We're smart. We're savvy. We're on top of it. We would have made those decisions. But this choosing less always feels painful. Because it is about things that we either love or we see the value or the need for the effect of. So when it's hard to choose, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. When you think about it, it actually makes sense that it's hard. It validates, number one, if this wasn't hard, I would have figured it out already. And number two, this is hard because all of these things have value to me. Whether they are bringing me joy or they're bringing me income or they're bringing me some sort of other social safety, it validates that this is a hard, hard thing. To quote the immortal Tammy Taylor of Friday Night Lights. So I thought I would be back in two to three months based on what my writing deadlines were, et cetera. I thought I'd be back in two to three months. Once two and three months came and went, every month I would think, okay, just two or three months and I will be back to the podcast. But various things happened over the last 12 months, actually the last 18 months. Well, actually, I can go back to spring 2019 when certain things shifted And again, I think this is something we've all experienced. One thing happens, and then another. A new layer, a new wrinkle, a new change. And it's okay for a while. You pivot, you adjust, you're a little tired, but it'll be okay. But eventually, we all run out of runway. We run out of time or energy or money. And it wasn't just one thing. It was lots of small things that added up. Or sometimes it was one big thing, but on the back of a lot of smaller things that left you exhausted, that left you depleted. And suddenly, ugh, life is so much more complicated than you expected. It is so much heavier than feels sustainable. And the last year specifically in some ways was one of the hardest seasons that I've been through. And there's details about that that... I can't share right now, but I look forward to being able to when I can. It feels awkward to be in a place of grieving and not want to pretend I'm not, and yet it not being the time to share explicitly. And I know I'm not the first person who has experienced that, whether you haven't felt it was quite the right time to share publicly or share at work, whatever. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I will link to videos below in the description that were some of my earliest shares when I returned to Instagram in August. And I was had to navigate how to be authentic and myself and vulnerable and connect while sharing what I could. And what I didn't think about, there was actually a silver lining, which is that Without knowing exactly, specifically, what my grief or loss was about, you were able to relate so fully. If you read the comments in the these two posts that I'm going to link, they just, they are, there's just so much there. And I just realized the details didn't matter. In these posts, you just shared your stories. And while this, your circumstances were different, the feelings and the fallout was the same. And it actually, I think, allowed you to share more fully and allowed us to connect more deeply because your brain didn't think, oh, that's not my specific story. You didn't think like, oh, she's, you know, going through this and I haven't been through that. 
gosh, that sounds hard. Or she's going through that. Well, that doesn't sound as hard as what I went through. So your brain didn't have any of that. Your heart just went, I am watching a person experience pain and I know that feeling. I have been there. And my circumstances and specifics can be different, but just human to human, my empathetic heart sees yours, relates, and says, I know that feeling, and it literally does not matter what caused it. That pain is universal. And actually, when we talk about the specifics, sometimes then we can get in our heads and think, oh, like I said, that, you know, my thing I think was worse, or her thing I think was worse, or, well, I don't really haven't been through that, so I can't give advice on that. And there actually was something really beautiful. Like, I can't tell you how much it blessed me how healing it was to just know I'm not the only one going through hard things. And I know that logically. And yet when you are, it nonetheless feels very lonely because also your specifics, the people around you may not be able to relate to. And so when you are talking specifics, you feel alone. When you are just talking grief, loss, pain, trauma, now it's like, oh oh my gosh, so many more people than I realized – have been there this summer, have have been there this year, were there last year and are seeing light on the other side, have been in the midst of that for years, etc. And it made me even more passionate about wanting to create a community space where instead of me just getting all of these lovely private messages, and even though comments are public, for the most part on social media, you know, we maybe one time are reading comments, but we're rarely going back to a post. We're not having back and forth dialogue to engage. So I just got even more passionate about wanting to create a place where you can communicate with one another too and realize that you aren't alone, get the advice and empathy of others that I was so blessed and privileged to be getting in my position, but that all of us deserve. You deserve hundreds of women pouring into you in the exact same way that I was receiving. So as you heard in the introduction, that is our new Elegant Excellence Community that we are opening the day after this podcast airs. And once it is live, there will be a lot more details to come. For today, what I want to share with you is that in this excruciating season of the last year of grief and loss and trauma, I have never been more grateful for all the work I had done on how to heal burnout, on how to live sustainably. Because if this had happened to me at any other point in the last, I mean, honestly, in my adult life, like the exhaustion of when I was in musical theater, the exhaustion of of the early years of running a business, really, I've never had just an easy, stable show up to a steady paycheck that totally pays enough, come home to a stable, you know, environment. Like, I've just never had that life. And you know, whether I was, my finances were unstable, I was single, I was pursuing challenging things, I didn't know what my next job was. For you, that might be illness, infertility, divorce. I mean, so many of us are juggling so many challenging things for long seasons. And if this had happened at any other time, I think I would have crumbled. And the number of times that I've said to Jeremy over the last year and a half, like, I am just so grateful that I have the tools that I do, that I have the wisdom that I do. I'm so thankful that my past self did this work for my present self, that I loved myself well enough that I am feeling the benefit of that right now. 
And when I say that without this work to support me, I would have crumbled, I always kind of wonder, like, what does that really mean? What happens when you legit can't do it anymore? Because mostly, stopping just isn't an option, right? You can be depressed, miserable, feeling the worst you've ever felt, and yet most of us still pull ourselves out of bed because the fear of not being able to pay our bills is there. We have to go to work. We have to feed the kids. Like, we might be doing it like a zombie and numb inside and hating every minute of it, but we literally do keep putting one foot in front of the other. But in the very first episode of this podcast back in 2019, I shared that many years ago, I had suicidal thoughts. And I'd had them on and off for a few years, but I'd never come close to actually following through on them. Until one night, um, and I ended up calling 911 on myself, which led to spending a week in the psychiatric ward of a hospital, which is what legally has to happen next when you call 911. And the difference that time from the hard seasons before is I wasn't just depressed or experiencing acute trauma, both of which had been the case previously or were the case at that time. I was also completely burned out. And as I've thought about it over the years, that really is what made the difference. I I had been through depression or acute trauma before, but at this point, I simultaneously had no reserves no cushion. I was totally depleted. And so when one more big gut punch came, I thought, I literally cannot do this anymore. For a friend of mine, it was thankfully not suicidal ideation. It was that fact of just not really being able to get out of bed for a year. And as she watched the money drain away and they lowered their expenses to the tiniest amount possible, they have children, and she reemerged after the year, and yes, there was some beautiful healing that had happened in that time. But also, she emerged to a lot of rubble in her life that she had to rebuild. Friendships that had faded, a business that was on fumes. There was a cost to that rock bottom. I have another girlfriend who had the thought a few years ago, I am working so hard, I feel like I'm going to kill myself. Like you just have that feeling, not, not a suicidal thought when you just are thinking, I I can't keep running my body at this level. You know, you kind of have that thought, this is not feeling sustainable, but you don't know what to do, so you just keep running. And then when her body started to actually break down where it couldn't be ignored anymore, and she was diagnosed with cancer that didn't run in her family, and she started to learn about how exhaustion and stress breaks down our immune system, she had the thought, my body literally couldn't stay healthy the way that I was abusing it with burnout. And there's almost been a beauty in her being forced to get so acutely clear on her priorities that being kind to her body to stay alive is the only one focus, but that is an excruciating path to get to that simplicity, to get yourself to stop burning yourself out that she would absolutely wish on no one. I've heard other colleagues talk about their rock bottom as having an affair or their husband threatening to leave saying, I just can't do this anymore. And them saying, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) What do you mean you just can't do this anymore? And it was him saying, I cannot keep living with this burnout at this stressful pace, at this level of micromanaging, at this level of insanity. I'm so tired. This cannot be sustainable. This can't be the meaning of life. And so I might do something 
really drastic, like blow up our family to see if that would make things any better. Because I just know I can't keep living like this and I can't figure out what else to do about it. So friend, there really truly are quite a lot of ways in which our body and our brain can say, I cannot keep doing this. And the results in each option are tragic. And what's insane is that in part, not in full, but in part, we are doing this to ourselves. It is elective and it is, I don't want to say solvable in that I don't believe we can stop burnout 100%, but we can slow it and we can soften it. We can make it so much better. We can make it feel better. We can heal it more. So there are cultural reasons, math reasons, misogynistic reasons, lots of facts and data and research that explains why we are burned out. Some of it we can shift. Some of it we can't. But by understanding what we can't, We are now no longer blaming ourselves for personal failures. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not smart enough. If only I time batched. If only I was more productive. If only I got the right day plan or whatever. We're not blaming ourselves and thinking it's a personal failure when it's actually a systemic failure. And once we realize that it's more of a cultural issue, we can redirect our limited energy to the right efforts, to what will actually heal this situation and help it for everyone, and then what can I do to heal and help myself. So to say that another way, you are not crazy. It is not that you are not smart enough or working hard enough. There are very legit things out there in our culture today that are making this challenging. This as in like flails, arms in the air, like this life thing, this adulting thing, (laughs) this how to manage the cost of living thing. However, if we go deeper on that teaching together, I will show you how there is also more we can shift and change than we realize. We are more empowered than we realize. And there are also a lot of personal reasons. Our lack of education in this area, understanding of the physiological science, our mindset, our expectations, our definition of what enough and success feels like. There are things that we are doing with our actions and our mindset and our choices and our decisions and the limited wisdom that we are given to bring to this that is causing our burnout. We are complicit in the chaos we are creating. And when we're unwilling to slow down and say, there has to be a better way and I'm going to learn about it, we run ourselves into our own rock bottom moments. We are the ones making ourselves exhausted in more ways than we realize. And there really truly are things we can do to change that. And it is not bubble baths (laughs) and it is not time blocking or ninja productivity. And it also is not an easy button that all of a sudden, voila, it is going to be fixed. But it is healing. It is growth. It is project progress. It does feel so much better. And if you haven't had a rock bottom moment yet due to burnout, there is a good chance it's because you've been blessed enough not to have a major gut punch you didn't see coming. But all it takes is one bill or lawsuit or fight or diagnosis, a death, a rent increase, a company decrease, and we can find ourselves shocked that we've been knocked out. We didn't realize that we were so close to feeling like, I don't know if I can get out of bed. I just, we didn't realize that the things were building 
And then we can all have those moments when we're blindsided. And that's what really knocks us out flat is we were already coming into it so tired. So it's not that we want to create a sense of vigilance and fear like, oh no, anything could happen at any moment. Instead, we want to create a sense of calm, grounded, mature, wise, healthiness that says, I'm living my life at a sustainable pace so that when those moments come, they won't be as painful. It doesn't mean that anyone's ever going to be happy that they come, but they are going to come. And I don't want to be immature about that. I don't want to think that I'm above that. So I'm going to be wise in advance. My present self is going to love my future self. And my future self is going to be so grateful that I did this healing now so that the hard things that happen in life are not going to feel as hard when we get there. Which is what happened to me over the last year that I had a gut punch that I didn't see coming. And if I didn't have those reserves, if I hadn't been living healthily, I would have felt more in that rock bottom place. But thankfully, I started exploring how to overcome overwhelm back in 2013. I started teaching on it at conferences. In 2014, I hosted my first goal-setting workshop, which would one day become the Elegant Excellence Journal. In 2015, I became more determined to get answers. In 2016, I started to put them into action, and I created my first course on this teaching called Elegant Excellence, which was for entrepreneurs. And every year since then, I've been seeking research, observing people who seem to be thriving, who seem to be struggling, who I'm not sure are really telling the whole truth about how they are. I've peeled back more layers culturally for myself. I've asked more questions. I've tried new things, walked away when things weren't working, taken really big scary leaps when I've felt like, well, this isn't working. So I've just got to try something drastically different because one degree shifts over the next six months is not going to get me anywhere that feels much better. I've stayed curious to ask what might work better. I have somewhat obsessively workshopped my life in the pursuit of this aim I call elegant excellence. A beautiful life without burning out. How to be ambitious. And ambitious just means like you want more than the ordinary. You believe that you can be a good mom and a good wife and have a career that you love and have close friendships. Like what it means to be ambitious is just like, yeah, I'm dreaming of something that's that's better than what I look around and I see that doesn't seem to be making people happy and seems to be making them exhausted. I want to believe that I can, can have those dreams and have ease. How to have more joy with less overwhelm. How to want more than an ordinary life, which again doesn't mean that you're fancier than anyone else. It just means like what the norm we see in culture of what it means to be a creative, be an entrepreneur, be a mom, be in church, like whatever our different things are, what we see is these people are exhausted. These people are burnt out. So I don't want that. I want more than the ordinary life. And yet, I, and I also want to live extraordinarily, extraordinary in my peacefulness and spaciousness. I want more of that than what I see modeled because in my gut, that's what feels like life has to be all about, right? It can't be about micromanaging our schedule to like just get through the day, just get through the season, just try to not get behind. Like that can't be what's going to feel like I look back at 90 and I'm like, I am so, you know, I'm so grateful for my life. You might be like, I'm so proud that I work so hard, but like 
For what? Did I really enjoy my life? So 18 months ago, when I started writing my first book, I knew that I was taking on this huge new all-time, almost full-time project of writing while I also run a business full-time. And so my mantra was three priorities only, book, business, and avoid burnout. I said that to myself again and again. We are doing only three things until one of these is off the plate. Until the book is off the plate, it is book, business, and avoid burnout. I was so clear this was the only path to sanity because I had been burnt out before and I knew it just becomes this slippery slope where everything is harder and you're doing less good work. And I was just determined, I, I, I want to be proud of this book. I want to be proud of this book and I cannot do good work if I let myself get burnt out. And I had so many tools at that point, I put all of them into practice and I knew my sanity depended on doing it well. So I became such a researcher of my own behavior in the last year. My feelings, did this help me or hurt me? My energy, my, my peace, what worked better? How did I work more efficiently? How did I rest more effectively? What was helping or hurting my mindset? And it's only because of that work that when major grief struck this summer, I didn't go to rock bottom. It was very hard. It still is every day. But the whole time I was so aware, this would have been so much worse if I was already burned out. And around that exact same time, we sent out a big survey to you and to anyone who's on our mailing list and invited you to share the number one thing you were struggling with. And I would say 97% of you, using your own words and circumstances to describe it, your issue is burnout. Everyone had this same one core challenge, whether it was because you were trying to start a side business, you're an entrepreneur, you're pursuing big career growth, you're a mom, you homeschool, you're caring for an aging parent, you have health issues of your own, you're lonely but you have so little time for friends or so little energy for dating. Everyone said, I am trying to do all the things and I'm exhausted. I know I'm not doing them well, but all the things matter, so I don't know what else to do. <laughs> and that survey, by the way, was the idea of my marketing director, Ashley, um, who is a gem. And I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Like, I didn't think much about it when we sent it out. I didn't think much about it when it was time to sit down and go over the replies. But reading your stories and what you sent back it was like my office was filled with a rainbow light of clarity. Like I just had goosebumps and my eyes started to get so big and my, I started to feel like this buzziness in my body where I just realized, number one, I have only helped entrepreneurs with this and it has nothing to do with how you earn income. Every one of us is struggling with this. And what I teach applies to everyone. I'm just teaching it to a niche demographic, but it actually has nothing to do with what you're pursuing in your marketing or where your revenue streams come from, whatever. It applies to all of us. Number two, I've been studying this for almost a decade and I've never taught on it where everyone was welcome. I have a decade of research and lived experience on this, but only a teeny segment of my audience has actually gotten access to that. Three, there is nothing in my life I am more confident having walked the walk, researched and then applied it, questioned and circle back to try again than this. I have also done that so deeply on exploring what makes women feel beautiful. But number four, it's the one thing that almost 
cost me my life years ago. I think that's where the difference is. As deeply as I've immersed myself in the question of what makes women feel beautiful, I, and I've had some also really tough rock bottom moments there, the worst moments I've had were on burnout. And that's why there has been even more of a fierceness and an intensity of me to say, I have to heal myself. I have to make my life better. And at that moment, I didn't know that a few weeks later, I was going to walk through one of the deepest griefs. I wasn't even aware that that was coming. And that when I had this idea to say, I think I need I need to teach you. This is what I need to help with. That this same work was going to be what I started using more than ever. It, well, not more than ever, but more than I had in quite a while. That I was giving thanks for every day. Because in the midst of my hard time, my life still felt survivable. I had tools. I knew while I was deeply grieving, I also knew that I would be okay because I knew how to find my way out. And I think it's that sense of hope or hopelessness that is such a game changer. I think the times when we can't get out of bed when you're threatening to blow up the family and the marriage and walk away, when you're having the suicidal ideation, those all come from a place of hopelessness. I don't see a better path out. And as dark as things were this summer, I knew that I had hope. Like I knew that I was going to be able to get myself out and I knew that it was going to be okay. And, you know, the truth is after grief, you know, first there's, you know, there's months where, you're dealing with the logistics and the fallout and the domino effect of something. And then also you are losing hours and days of exhaustion and depression. When And if you were already behind at all, which I was because I was juggling multiple big projects, now you're really behind because you're losing time to the fallout and you're really behind because you're losing time to the grieving and your body is more tired from the grief and the trauma. Your brain is more tired. And so for the first time in two years, I'm burned out right now, just as of pretty recently. And it is hard. It's not fun. It's not easy. But what I've realized is that my window of tolerance got smaller as I healed. Meaning I used to get burned out at, you know, what felt to me like a, a level 10. That's the most I had. So that's my definition of a level 10. And now my burnout is, let's say, at a level five or six. That feels so extreme to my body now because for the last two years, I've lived at a level one to three. And I know how good that feels. I sleep better. I'm more centered. I'm calmer. I'm in more regular conversation with myself. I'm less insecure. I'm more confident. I beat myself up less. I have more self-compassion. My marriage is better. We fight less. We connect more. My work relationships are better. I put less pressure on my friendships. There's less tension in my family. Just everything is better when I am not burnt out. When I am living at a level one to three, everything in my life and myself is so much better. So now when I get to a five or a six, it feels extreme. But I also have the tools and the wisdom to find my way out sooner. Where I used to be at a level 10 for a year or literally years, I'll now be at a five for a couple of months. And there's less panic sitting in this place. There's more peace because I know I will never let myself get back to that level 10 place. 
and therefore I won't ever get to those most terrifying rock bottom moments again. Which, to be clear, doesn't mean that I won't have rock bottom moments in life. I have no idea what death, disease, destruction may occur. None of us do. All I know is that when those things in life do happen, they will reach me at a healthier place that makes them feel more survivable and far less miserable than when you get kicked and you are already down. You know that phrase, like, they kick you when you're down, or when it rains, it pours. We can't protect ourselves from pain in life, but we can cause ourselves more pain in the midst of it, or be able to find more peace and healing, despite things sometimes falling apart, when we have the foundation of this work. We can't control life, but burnout is something that we are more empowered over. We have more control over than we think. We have more options than we realize. We often feel like it's something that is happening to us and we're just stuck and trapped. Like maybe you think the reason you are feeling tired, you have this brain fog, you feel this pain, you're so lethargic, you're so stressed, whatever it is. Maybe you think it's it's aging, it's middle age, it's being over 60, it's whatever, it's it's mom brain, it's new mom brain, it's the only way to be an entrepreneur. This is being a creative. It just is being an actor. It is being a musician. Or it's your ADHD or your you know, IVF medication. If only you weren't going through infertility, then you wouldn't be having this. Whatever you're blaming it on that doesn't feel like it's something you can opt out of. There is something in you that feels like this season is happening to me. Aging is happening. I mean, I chose children, but still they're here. So they're happening to me. I didn't choose my ADHD. I didn't choose my infertility. Yes, I chose entrepreneurship, but now it feels like, great, the thing I want to do with my life is also going to make me miserable. Like, yes, I chose being a creative, but so we can, some of these things we chose, but there still is this sense of like, I don't know how to opt out of this. I don't feel fully in control here. But I can tell you, that's not it, or at least that's not it fully. And when you heal the part that you can, you will feel so much less like a victim. Because that's so much of why we're feeling stuck right now. If we don't have that hope that we know a way out, and we feel like there's something in us, it's it's because of my Enneagram type. It's because I'm an introvert or an extrovert. It's because of this. And we look at other people and think, if only I had her personality type, I wouldn't struggle with this. If only... I was married. If only I could afford a nanny. Like we have these things that feel like I'm just a victim. Everyone else has it easier. And I'm not saying that in any way to shame us. I'm saying that to say, doesn't that feel so crappy to feel like a trapped victim with no power? As opposed to, you know, there's actually something that I could do that's going to make me feel better. I just, culture hasn't given me these options. They haven't given me these this, these tools, given me this roadmap. Every, all the cultural messages are telling me to buy more, do more, sleep less, work harder, like all of the things. So I'm not getting any education and support that says, actually, there could be a, a better way to do this. It actually doesn't have to be this way. What's been interesting this this year is how much Jeremy and I have observed my growth. I often talk about growing 10% better in something as one of my life philosophies, that we aren't ever looking to 100% heal or fix or change ourselves, and we don't expect overnight transformations, but we ask ourselves, am I growing 10% better in this season or in this year, 
in whatever thing or area that's important to me, whatever I'm trying to work on. And the thing about 10% is the stronger you become, the narrower the room is left for change. So that 10% becomes harder to identify. You know, if you have a 10-year-old playing tennis who gets a pro coach from like 10 to 11, it's going to be so clear as their parent to be like, wow, they definitely got 10% better. When you go from high school and you, you know, got into a scholarship in college or something, you're up-leveling your coaching, you're going to see on your stats, yes, there was a 10% better transformation. But once you get to Serena Williams in her prime, that 10% better may not have been something that anyone else could even quantify, right? Like she's already so great. Her 10% is like literally Serena's at 99%. So we're talking a tenth of a percent is the only way she can get better. But she's out there training every day, working to get 10% better. It's just so slight at that point that maybe only herself, her coach, like elite athletes could see it. So early on in my healing journey, I was in a mastermind, a group of female entrepreneurs, and we met in person every six months. And I started doing this work right at the start of it or, or, or right after the first retreat maybe. So they, they'd all met me once and I was incredibly anxious and insecure and hyper-stressed and totally crazy and deeply unhappy. And then I just started to do this work and retreat after retreat, I think it was over two years, we would meet up every six months and they would say, what have you changed? What are you doing? I have never seen so much cha- someone change so much in my life. Like you were so different than you were last time. What is it that you were doing? And it was this work. Every six months, they would see it. Then six years later, uh, my friend Alex gave a speech at my wedding. And it's the only one I remember like exactly what was said and that it was meaningful to me. Like it wasn't a joke or it wasn't, you know, there's other things I remember. But there was one thing that I was just like, Man, that was so meaningful to me. And actually just told him this a few weeks ago at another wedding. I said, you, what you said touched me so much because you really saw me. You really had observed the work that I had done. And he said something to the effect of, it's so rare to see someone as an adult really truly change and grow so much, like become better as a human, not just that their talents have evolved or they've had career success, but really who they are as a person and how they show up in the world. And he said, I've watched you do that, you know, over the last six years of our friendship. And what he meant was this work. And so at this point, I now am so deep into this work that I don't know that others would really see how intense the transformation has been for me over the last year. But I also think, like Serena, if I can be so bold as to put us in the same category in this metaphor, I think like Serena, the more you become an expert at something, the more dedicated, the more you live in that world, the more you swim in it, the more in tune you are with your body, the more aware of yourself you are, the more time that you spend in an an uh, area. And so I can tell that I am 10% better this year. And Jeremy, which would be the closest thing I have to a coach, not that he's coaching me, but just that idea, like he's seen me every day, right? On the court that is life, kind of loving this metaphor here, on the court that is life, he's out there practicing with me every day. He's my hitter on the other side of the net because he's the number one person that I'm volleying back and forth on having to pivot, having to make decisions, having to process grief, having to feel feelings, having to communicate, et cetera. So the fact that we have both seen it just further affirms to me, this is 
lifelong work. And when you first start to do it, people will audibly, visually see and feel the difference and comment, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You seem so much calmer. You seem so much more centered. You, gosh, you're really bringing the wisdom today. Or you seem so much more relaxed. You seem happier. Like all of those things. People will see that difference and they can see it in a few months. And then you may have people that are observing you over a few years. You know what? I was thinking, you really, remember so many years ago at this thing and this thing happened and now that I think about it, gosh, you're not like that anymore. You know, or, or that wouldn't happen today. But then also for yourself, I keep finding new levels and layers of growth. There is so much indoctrination that we have here. There are so many stories. There's so many intertwined pieces of thread to untangle here to really figure out how can I create this better way to live? How can I create this freedom in my life and in my soul? And that gets me so excited because I already have a vision cast now of what my 10% next year is going to feel like because I know that there's more. I know that this is not as good as it gets. I know I'm not as healed and healthy and present of a person as I can be. I know it gets even better. And all of that work that I've done and am doing, I've packaged into my first course that, as I shared in the introduction, I have created that is for everyone. It is not just for entrepreneurs. It's not for my style course. It's for everyone at every season. And if you are listening to this podcast on the day it releases, the doors open tomorrow. And I am kicking it off with a workshop on the 13 signs of burnout, how we heal for a more beautiful life. And whether you are not really sure if burnout quite describes you, if you've been listening to this and you're like, oh, I hear this for her, but I don't know if I'm really burned out, you might think, I think it's that I'm just a little disorganized. I'm just a little lazy. Maybe it's just that I'm not productive enough. You know, maybe you're thinking that's your issue. Please come. Please come and sit with these 13 signs to see if you are telling yourself the truth about the root of what the real challenge is and if actually the answer is gentler, softer, and easier than the answer you're thinking right now, which is, I need to work harder, I need to have more energy, I need to push harder. If you know that burnout describes you and you're like, yes, this is resonating, I do feel those things, I also need you to come to this workshop because I am pretty positive there are more impacts it's having on your life than you're realizing. There are more red flags and warning signs than you have identified. And right now, you may be blaming them on other things. That means you're either not addressing them, you're covering for them with medication, you're blaming something else that you don't feel empowered over, and so you're sitting with things you don't have to. Just last week, I had an incredibly powerful call with someone in my life. I'll share more about this on the workshop, but they called in crisis. And in short, I said, after I listened to them share everything that they were carrying for a half an hour, I said, you are burned out. That's what's happening here. That they were describing all these things they were struggling with, feeling emotionally, that they were, and they were thinking it's because of this or that in their life. And after I got off the call, I went to this quiz that I've been working on creating for months now. And every one of the 13, they had covered on the call. They had all just organically come up as they were describing 
what hurt, what was hard, what they were feeling, what they were fearing. And I was able to score for them, like on my own. Yep, they are highly burned out. They are at the top of the charts on almost all 13 of these signs. And then I redid it for myself because the last time I did it uh, was beginning of summer and I was not as burned out. And I was like, yep, I am more lightly burned out. I am correct. This is a correct assessment. And I created the quiz because maybe a year ago, I did an assessment for a specialized therapist. And I knew that I would test yes for anxiety, which I did, no for depression, which I did. But then there was this score for trauma, which I would not have associated with myself. I'm aware we've all had some lower T trauma in life, but I just wasn't wandering around being like, you know what I really struggle with is trauma. Like that just wasn't sort of a label I was giving myself. But as I answered the questions, I went, huh. I mean, I knew, I know I do that. I guess I just kind of thought everybody did that. Or like, oh yeah, I do do that. Huh, I guess yeah, not everyone does that. Or I knew I did that. I just didn't realize how often until I was asked. Like I didn't realize it was a few times a week. And now that I'm seeing the only other option higher than a few times a week is every day. That's actually a lot of times that this thing happens. And I remember walking out of the kitchen and sharing all of this with Jeremy and saying, basically, I have trauma. Therefore, I need help. Therefore, if I don't do something to heal this, I'm going to keep living like this. And something I've thought about a lot over the last few months is how often we gaslight ourselves. So gaslight is a term that can get thrown around too liberally sometimes these days, but it's when someone manipulates you to make you question your own reality. And I think many of us are not telling ourselves the truth about how tired we are, how much pain we're in, that it doesn't have to be like this, that while it's complicated, we actually can make better choices to feel better. And I think specifically we do this for two reasons. Number one, this blew my mind recently when this hit me. We don't know what it is like to live in anyone else's body. So I recently went to acupuncture. I've been various times over the years, but not in quite a while. I went to someone new who'd been highly recommended by two people I deeply trust. And he asked me, how are your energy levels? And I said, oh, they're actually really good right now or pretty good right now. And he's, then he did all of his testing and he said, it's interesting, you present as someone who is high energy, but your body tells me you're actually very low energy. And I said, it's interesting because I realized when you asked me that, I had the thought, I am comparing myself to myself, not to any healthy baseline. I'm, I'm not, I don't know what it would be for anybody else to have great energy. I can only say I've had worse energy and this is about as good as it feels for me. This is about as good as it gets. And I'm grateful for that, right? Because it's so much better than it used to be. And he was like, that's your, what your mind is telling you, but your body is telling me a different truth. Your body, now these are my language, not, not his, um, but he, he basically was saying, your body is telling me the truth. Your mind is telling you the limited truth that it has. He sits there every day and feels bodies. He knows what a healthy body feels like. I have only ever lived in my body. So I only know what my body 
super exhausted or moderately exhausted feels like. And if I'm at moderately, I'm like, hey, I'm doing great. And he's like, well, actually, if you knew bodies as well as I do and you'd you'd felt as many of them, that sounds weird, but, you know, feeling their blood and whatever, uh, looking at their tongues, all the things they do in Eastern medicine, you would know this actually is not a high energy body. And by the way, that low energy is the burnout. I can explain physiologically how and why that is on another teaching, but it also aligned with everything I knew and had learned what he was saying. But if you really knew what good energy was, you could tell yourself the truth that this is not it. And then from that place of honesty, you would be more compelled to take a better action. But because you don't know, you don't even realize that you are not telling yourself the truth. And the second reason we gaslight ourselves is we live in a culture that preys on our minds. I don't mean that to sound like conspiracy theorists, but like our mo- it monetizes our thoughts and feelings. That's where the fear get in, gets in, that it keeps us running faster so we're more productive, so we spend more, so we need to make more. You know, it, that sort of is the treadmill of capitalism. It's the treadmill of oh, all the, the car commercials, every commercial that makes you think, if you just lost a little weight, if you just bought a new thing, if you just, if you just got the right eye cream, everything would be okay. And so it tells us not to listen to our body. No, the tired eyes aren't that you need more sleep. You just need this eye cream. Just drink more caffeine, buy some supplements, and get back out there, you know? So we feel in our body that's, that something is true. Even though I said to him, like, oh, my energy's pretty good. If I also got really quiet, a quiet little voice within me could tell, my body would tell me the truth. It would say, we are so tired. And we don't really see how it's going to change in the near future. That's my old, that's what my old body would say. My current body would be like, we're tired, but we've got the tools. We're going to be able to get out of this. But your body may be telling you that. I am exhausted. I don't, I I don't feel like I can keep going at this pace. I don't know what else to do, but I also don't see how it's really going to change. Is it really going to be that different three months from now? Haven't I told myself that? Month after month, year after year, didn't I tell myself just one more milestone, just a little more money, but then there was always a next thing? Like, aren't we just on a, you know, hamster wheel here? We can feel in our hearts that something is true. That we really think about it, this can't be the meaning of life. To spend decades just trying not to feel behind, just trying to pay the bills, just limping through life exhausted, just waiting for the weekend, waiting for a vacation, is that really a meaningful life? We can feel that in our bodies. And yet our minds say, hmm, it must just be that we're lazy. We're not working hard enough. We're not organized enough. We're not productive enough. Because, you know, I saw that Reels and that girl, it really seemed like the color-coded calendar was the way to go. I know I listened to that podcast and I just, I think it's my systems. I think I just don't have the right systems and that would be it. You know, I think I just, if I read that parenting book, I think that will be the breakthrough. I think I just haven't read the right parenting book and that's why this is hard. Our bodies say, it's too much. It's too much. I need rest. And our minds say, It's not enough. You aren't doing enough. You need to push harder. And in our culture, we are taught to listen to the mind. The fear, anxiety, self-shame, self-blame that motivates us into marketing and consumerism and capitalism and social hierarchy and all of the things. 
rather than treat ourselves with kindness, compassion, gentleness, to do less, rest, play, all of the things that don't make anyone money, they don't get us higher on the ladder of influence, they just feel good. They make us happy. They just make us feel happier in the present moment because this is our life now, not three years from now when we accomplish all the goals only to find out there's a whole new set of goals and it never ends. So I want you to know, friend, that I believe you. I believe you that you can't keep living like this. I believe you that you are tired and you need to rest and that it is not because you are not working hard enough. I believe you that you are trying so hard and I am so proud of you for how hard you have tried. But I believe your body that she cannot keep going at this pace. And I want to help you better hear, listen to, and know yourself. The most important person in the world the one whose health affects everyone you love, and the only one that can tell you the exact right path to healing and happiness for you, which is yourself. So I hope you will join me in this new workshop happening live ASAP. Sign up for that masterclass below at hillaryrushford.com slash 13signs. And you will also hear more about the course Healing Burnout, a six-week guided journey to a healthier life with space to breathe, and our brand new Elegant Excellence community. As soon as those are live, we will add them to the description. In the meantime, sign up for the workshop and you will hear there as well. On that workshop, I will stick around as always for a long Q&A after the call, so I would love to see you there. I would love to talk more, help more, answer more, and do that on an even deeper, more intimate level inside our new course and community. For today, I just want you to know, things have not been easy for me this year, but they have been easier because of the work I started doing almost a decade ago. And I am so grateful to myself for that. And while nothing I do will make what I've been through the last year okay, it does help when you can find some purpose in the pain. And so healing through creating something to help you heal has been really beautiful and I am so looking forward to walking alongside you while we are both in a healing season, a growing season, a season of deepening, of self-awareness, a healthier season and getting to know and help you more personally on that path. So I will see you there long before we are back with a brand new episode next week with Grace and Gumption. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is we got a kitten. I have never been a cat person, so no one is more shocked than me that I am suddenly the owner of an adorable little cat. I have always begrudgingly expected that I would probably eventually cave and let Jeremy get a cat because... As we all know, on Instagram stories, he's obsessed with all animals, specifically cats and dogs. I was always really hoping that just a dog would suffice once we got one. And we have a few more things we want to do before we officially become dog parents and adopt one. We live in a high rise. It's winter half the year. It's definitely a big thing here to have a dog in where we live. But then the Lord, the good Lord above, intervened. And... I feel like this is actually a whole podcast episode, not on the story itself, though it is 
very serendipitous and delightful to share. But on the broader idea of magic and serendipity and being unplanned, things evolving unexpectedly, thinking you know what you want and being surprised to find out something new about yourself. Thinking, here's my logic, here's my reason, and then all of a sudden being like, you know what, actually, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know all of the things. I couldn't anticipate everything. How sort of humbling and whimsical almost that is to experience those moments as an adult. So for now, I will just say, Jeremy and I needed need this little bean's healing from this year. And this little kitten needed rescuing. And God gave us all the spiritual gifting of cuddling and wanting to sit in close proximity to one another. And we are being more present in the sweetness of doing nothing. There's the Italian phrase, la dolce far niente, which I've always loved, the sweetness of doing nothing, where you are just, you're just being, you're just being present. You know, you're just sitting in a cafe, you're just taking in the view, you're just being. And we've been so much more present in the two weeks since he joined our house. And that being present is just magical. It's less being on your phone, less watching TV, it's less wanting to rush, it's less being heads down for eight hours and not looking up. It's you know, what any of you as pet parents or real human baby parents have experienced where you know that he will grow. You know this kitten phase won't last forever. You already don't want to miss a moment of it, uh, learning how best to connect with him. Does he like it when I do this? Does he understand it when I do that? Just all of that slowness. It truly has been just a delightful two weeks and it really, I feel a little emotional. I'm just really grateful. We've had a hard, hard year, and he's just been a little spot of healing that we really needed. So um, I will put a link uh, below. I will share something on Instagram before this episode goes live so that you can see him. And I hope that brings you a spot of joy as well. As always, you're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.